episode two of String Theories. From a misty presence to orbs of bright light, and whatever your region may call a Sasquatch, all things beyond normal. With my buddy over here, Josh Teague. Say hello. Hi, Mike. Hi, guys. Welcome back. You're going to spend a little bit of time with us talking about time, ain't that right, Josh? If you will. If you will. Exactly. Josh. Have you ever been a sleepwalker? I have. Actually, you know, sleepwalking, um, not so much. Maybe when I was like, you know, a little intoxicated, but I have had some weird sleep stuff happen to me in the liminal state, like in that state between sleep. And I I think we've talked about this before, Mike, but I'm also a sufferer or maybe a gifted one who has the sleep paralysis that happens mm. often. Mm-hmm. And this is like something that happens to me at least once a year. Wow. Very intense. So if that, you know, works its way into our conversation eventually, I'd love to talk about that as well. You know, that's really, that, it may very well, you know, let's see what this, that's what we do. We, we Josh and I, we talk about things that we find interesting in this kind of uh, genre and uh, make our connections. And string and, string them along. String them along and then, you know, also rock out a little bit. Um, oh, definitely rock out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when I was a kid, I actually did sleepwalk. My mom would tell me I would walk into the living room and they would be watching television. And I would just walk out there and like, like super stiff, like with my arms down at my side uh-huh. and just looking like towards them. And then my mom, my mom said she would say, Michael, Michael. and then Michael, I would Michael, kind of Michael. turn towards her with my eyes closed. She, she'd go, weird. go back to sleep. And then I would just turn around and walk back into my room. Wow. You were almost like uh, in a suggest- suggestible, suggestive state, almost like when you're hypnotized. So sort of, suggest yeah. Something. Hey, yeah. Michael, go she, back to she bed. She was able to do that, you know, but I do not remember wow. doing that, you know. But the thing that's really interesting, because like, I've been kind of thinking about a lot of these like a lot of these subjects we're going to talk about tonight, and rather than boring you with an outline of what we're going to cover, we're just going to let it happen organically. But um, you know, sleepwalking. What if it's like you're you're sort of like in between dimensions. You're like traveling through space and time. You're through bent fabric like of the universe. You're just able to cross over a little, just a little bit. I you know? just love how interdimensionality keeps popping up in our conversations every yeah. time we do this. Well, every uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting connections t- to some similar subjects, such as interdimensionality and um, or just like you know magnetism, things that are just like there's like weird things happening with electromagnetism, right? Electromagnetism, yeah, specifically, yeah. Like, like people think like a lot of times UFOs operate on that energy i've heard that ghosts heard they that. use meters to try to to see if there's a shift in the electromagnetic talks a lot about that which we'll get into of course when yeah, we do definitely. our episode on um, ufo and ufology so. but, but what if it's like kind of like your astral your astral projecting just a little bit and I you're mean, like leaving a little bit and like you're able you're out in another place so you want to explore i mean it's like you're just running around doing cartwheels or something but you're still, but I don't know. I guess you're not really that active. I just walked out and just turned around, you know? When I was in high school, my brother had a book on out-of-body experience. And it was kind of a thing because like, oh man, my parents would not want that book around because they were like pretty traditional, right? But I read it one day and part of the um, suggestion it gave to you, if you wanted to participate in an out-of-body sort of experience, was to look into the mirror and stare at yourself naked. For a long time, and, and until you disassociated 
with your form. Whoa. Like where you would recognize your shape, your body, of course, it's yours. You've seen it your entire life. But when it's there in front of you for so long and you spend a lot of time looking at it, you can kind of disassociate and see yourself outside of it. Wow. Maybe creep out a little bit subconsciously. And I'll tell you real quick about an experience I had. I wouldn't call it maybe an out-of-body experience, but it's kind of a funny story. Do you remember the singles soundtrack? Oh, yes. Okay, Uh so there was a specific Smashing Pumpkins song that came on at the end of that soundtrack. And I can't remember. The name escapes me. The song is called Drown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But, like, stop that real quick. Like, because it was, like, later on in the song. There was this, like, super psychedelic part that, like, came swirling in. And this is when this whole experience unfolded. But at the time, it was, like, one of the most psychedelic songs I had heard back then. And I remember turning off my lights in my room, and I wasn't I wasn't like on drugs or anything like that. Just, just the music and that and that like experience of looking in the mirror. At one point, I felt myself lift up out of the chair and float up into the Whoa. middle of the room. The only time I ever had that happen to me uh, since then, or maybe before then, I can't remember date wise, but was in a dentist chair when they gave me a bunch of nitrous oxide. Oh boy! Yeah, and that's a whole other story. So anyways, that was weird. That was like as close as I could say that I've ever come to like an out-of-body experience. And I think it's really funny that it's because of the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, it's true. Billy Corgan, he's responsible for a lot of things. I blame you, Billy Corgan. Yeah, I do too. People think I'm a bit goofy, but I I do think paint color actually changes the sound of a guitar. (laughs) So um, I found through the years that certain paints sound different. Um, so, So yeah, there's... But what's really interesting as far as like you know, being able to leave and like if you if you can travel through like through time, it's like almost like it's like your body can't do that. It's like because just like time gets sucked into the funnel or something, right? How like like for instance, I think it's really interesting what happened to Carl Jung. You know? Oh, that whole that yeah. whole story. Yes, oh, listen to gosh, this, people. Man. You you might ask yourself this question. Yeah, let's hear is about it that. Possible to travel in time. What do you think the answer is, Josh? I know the answer. What is the answer? It is possible. It is possible. It has happened there you to go. them. He was talking about Carl Jung, everybody. Confirmed. In the 1930s, he was traveling through Italy and went to visit the tomb of a Roman empress in Ravenna. In his account of the episode, he describes how he became aware of a strange atmosphere in the place and an unexplained mild blue light everywhere. Yeah, blue light. Interesting, right? Let's talk about that a little bit, more. Yeah, I think Josh has some interesting theories about that blue light, which is reoccurring in this sort of phenomena. Well, not that they're very special or anything, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I do have a couple of theories about that. Um, they say that when you travel through time, that you're traveling at the speed of light. Whether you've stepped into some sort of interdimensional portal, a wormhole, uh, something you, you got there somehow and you necessarily have reached that velocity okay and what happens they've theorized they out there the science people that everything in front of you would be blue tinted and everything behind you would be tinted red because you're traveling in the middle of the known light spectrum hmm. right as fast as it travels through the universe 
And something that's interesting is like, well, is part of that problem or, or part, part of that like situation kind of staining them a bit or tinting their being? Something, some food for thought, Mike. Interesting. I, I dig it. And I, that does come up again, the the idea of the bluish tint. Oh, you, you hear about it all the time, you right? You see orbs that color, and you, sometimes UFOs are often reported as having a bluish tint. Infused with that strange pale blue light, but what caught his attention was the remarkable beauty of a series of mosaics depicting maritime scenes. He stood in front of them and discussed them with his companion for 20 or 30 minutes. On leaving the mausoleum, they tried to buy postcards of them, but surprisingly, there were none. Later on, he asked a friend visiting Ravenna to obtain pictures for him. It was then that he learned the truth. The mosaics simply did not exist. These are the mosaics that were in the mausoleum at the time of Jung's visit, nothing like the ones he described. The mosaics that Jung and his companion looked at and discussed, infused with that strange pale blue light, had existed once, but they had been destroyed by fire several hundred years earlier. So, so, Mike, back to the theory, if if I can just continue that thought. So, imagine Carl Jung. It was his, what is his, his As wife? a companion, he said. His companion, okay. Yes. So, Jung, you know, the famous psychologist, the ar- archetypes, right? You know, very famous in the world of um, psychoanalysis. Um, he shows up at this mausoleum. Maybe he steps through a wormhole. Maybe, maybe there's a reason that mausoleum was built there because someone had some sort of knowledge of that place being magnificent or, you know, astronomical. And so all of a sudden he's traveling at the speed of light. And so it makes sense that everything before him would have this pale blue tint. Infused with that strange pale blue light. Could be that for one moment, there's like maybe this veil that that you can't see through the next dimension or whatever whatever we have in our brain. Maybe we're implanted with something where it blocks it. To, or maybe we just haven't developed that muscle yet, one or the other. And as we evolve, maybe we'll be able to evolve to travel interdimensionally. But right now, if we went there, we would dominate and stink up other dimensions. Either way. Yeah. So they're keeping us from there. Or we just haven't evolved enough to Kinda be able like to appreciate it. Sticking but, up um, other dimensions. Just one last thing here, you know. So the thing that's really interesting about Jung there, you know, he... He basically, he and a companion, which is another common theme in a lot of these time traveling episodes, people saying they were, they actually traveled through time when they saw people in different outfits and cars, and then it flashed. Yeah. Um, there's people that, there's like pairs, or there's a couple or a group of people that this all happens to. So it's not like one person had a freak out, you know? And it's, right. hard to, it's hard to say that one person could have just had a weird mental glitch. Sure, yeah. You never know. But so you ask the question, what do you think? What do you think Carl Jung think, thinks happened to him? Jung came to believe that he had indeed traveled in time. Uh oh. You're losing time again. My friend. Stuck in time again. Uh oh. You're missing time again. You're stuck in time again, my friend. You're stuck in time again. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
Sorry about that. A little musical break. <laughs> Jung himself, right? I mean, very, uh, you know, well-regarded. Yeah. I mean, that's, I can't even say well-regarded. I mean, I mean he, he's Carl Jung. Yeah, you know? people don't question. And he came to believe that he actually traveled, traveled through time. time. And you know what's interesting is like knowing a little bit about it, but his like, you know, the collective conscious Maybe he shared, maybe he tapped into that because he was so in tune with that concept that that became available to him in a very real way. I so see all that. the other experience that had happened in the collective conscious before that was projected before him in that space. Because think about a mausoleum, people that go there who are in distress or in a, a, a state of like worship, you know? So they're very, that's in a very intense emotional state. He's Maybe, in tune you know, with that. I also think, well, in tune is, I like using that because I feel sometimes it's like an antenna that you can receive the message or you can you can hone into the frequency, if if you will. If you will. If you will. If you will. It's as though you reach out and you just dip into the psychic signal. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it kind of makes me think, kind of go back to when we talked about, um, you brought, brought up portals, you know in that last segment about maybe there's a portal opened up and and I think that's another like interesting thing is like you know I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm not going to bore you with all of my knowledge <laughs> of, of portals and time travel and uh, physics and astrophysics but what I will say is like it's interesting what Einstein thought and now you know he that he proved and the theory he the theory that time like space isn't like all flat and linear it's like it the weight of something causes it to sag. Yeah. The mass know? of like large bodies in so then, space create like a bend in right, the continuum. Right. And so I wonder sometimes, imagine if that is a, our ball, or our, our, our mass is sagging. What, and like where it sags, is that another dimension that we're crossing over through? That we are just not on the frequency or we're not aware of how to t- tone tune into that frequency like it's like a radio signal you know yeah and like but other people like we're sagging into their dimension sort of and they can be so advanced and knowledgeable just to pass through but they but sometimes you can't just like noise you can't just tune out things completely and it probably is an irritant that we're sagging there so every once in a while they come through and fuck with us i feel like the sag there is just low hanging fruit like i you know and and i it's as a 40 year old man you know talking about sagging balls oh Oh wow! If so, you will, if you will. Um, so I want you to consider this. Bent in just the right way, wormholes could connect two very, very distant spots with a short bridge that you could cross almost instantaneously, enabling you to travel the universe even faster than the speed of light. Yeah, I mean that's basically what I'm trying. What he's saying there, you know. So I'm just imagining if like that tunnel, you know. Uh huh. But I also consider this too, and I, and I think. Um, there's an, what if the opposite is true? Like, okay, so we're sagging, but what about all this atomic, like nuclear testing and we're blowing out these huge mushroom clouds that we're opening up in the opposite direction, a funnel. And maybe that's where they're coming is there's a funnel going down from like a boom, it spreads out, right? You know, a mushroom cloud. Yeah, no, And it's like, what the fuck is that? These guys are like, we're just going to go down in that tunnel. And they're in our presence, and they just gotta, you know, maybe some have gotten lost and crashed going back to the portal or whatever. Who, who's the guy that like, like, you know, who who basically invented nuclear warfare? Is it Oppenheimer? 
And he said something like, like he basically acknowledged the terrible thing that he had done, right? And unleashed on the universe. So there is, I mean, you know, someone that's smart and who has a grasp of real physics saying, making those claims and having that knowledge, it's like, that's pretty, pretty gnar, gnar, gnar. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think on that note about where the explosions may be causing wormholes, there's this really insane CNN tape that I came across on the internet, on YouTube and all put a link somewhere wherever we have up social media maybe wise. on instagram or something yeah, yeah it's really crazy because i and a hard thing to find out is what year it is but it looks like 80s maybe um but it's this press conference and um well let's just take a listen to this it's on here somewhere oh here you go Witnesses have described these craft as 
disc shape or cylindrical shape or spherical. These objects are capable of both hovering and high-velocity flight, usually, usually completely silently. Over the past 37 years, I have personally located and interviewed more than 120 of these former or retired military personnel, all of whom report UFO incidents at one or more of the following locations. Nuclear missile sites, nuclear weapons storage areas, and nuclear weapons test sites in Nevada and the Pacific during the era of atomic atmospheric testing. Sounds pretty safe. Sounds kind of scary, you know, sucker. <laughs> but uh, certainly seems seems to be the case. That is uh the situation. If your, if your neighbor was, like, making these huge explosions down the street, you would send someone to figure out the fuck's going on, you know? Especially if, if you're peaceful people and you're just, like, advanced and you're just, like, you have the ability to travel through some wormhole to come and check it out. Well, potentially creating a wormhole, right? Like these war, they see us as war, these dangerous entities, I'm sure. They're just coming here to, like, let us know. We could probably just annihilate you, zap you, fry you in with a death yeah. ray if we wanted to. We could easily just go create that real quick. We don't want to. We have to go dust one off of the garage or something. Well, the other, I think, obvious thing that we have to talk about is like, is it us, Mike? Is it us coming back in the future? Is it us coming back in the future? From the future. Is it us coming back in the future? Because if we know when these things are going to happen, it would make sense that these nuclear test sites would, they would be trying to, you know, get involved. Yep. I agree. And maybe that's why we're, you know, they're still able to do that in the future. You're right. And I think that's a a really great point. And it brings me to, the next little topic, but I think we should take a little break because we have a, a word from our sponsors, and we also have um, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing an experiment later. We're gonna try this out, so stay tuned. So, Mike, you know, one thing about talking about all this stuff about, you know, time slips and whatnot is like, it's very clear to me that theories about time travel are always in flux. But I truly believe that we do have the capacity to move uh, at least backwards in time. You know, so that was really interesting before the break there when you were talking about, you know, the fact that these we're blowing these wormholes and our future selves are coming through oh, to warn us and, you know, maybe show, give us a, like a, a demonstration of what they can do to scare us at these sites where we're playing around. I mean, it's a warning. Don't operate these sites anymore because we're going to come and destroy them whatever. But I think that's really interesting that like, because of the whole idea of like the grandfather paradox, you know, that's something they call it where like, if you were to go back in time and you killed your grandfather, if you're going to the, Back in time, killed your grandfather. You would you not be born because you're you not the person that spawned your dad. When it it's a paradox. You, it's you know? a chicken and an egg thing, right? And in terms of the nuclear stuff, so if we had some knowledge of the future, like in the future, that we were going to destroy everything or destroy a big portion at least of humanity, then we would, you know, ethically speaking, have the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the obligation to go back. And try to stop it. And so yeah. there's a chance of, but then the paradox comes into place. Well, if that did happen, 
how would we still be around to do that? So that's why it would have to be like not a, a complete annihilation well, of the human race, obviously. You know, it's I'm what I'm thinking is is what if what if the case is yeah of course they they've been able to somehow keep it from happening. I don't know, maybe not. You know, they really can't stop us. I don't think unless they just came in and just dismantled all the nuclear like they came down here and just took it from us. But anyway, you know, what's another level like to the exactly what which is interesting. You ha- we had to parallel thoughts here, like which is part of the experiment we're going to do later is like you know sending thoughts. It's not really telepathic. It's more like remote viewing is like the concept and we're going to get into that but the idea like what if like on a, on a milder level of what you're saying is that your intuition right you're like i don't have, I have a bad feeling about this i'm not going to get on this airplane and that airplane goes down those real rare moments people say that happened to them what if that's your future self coming in and saying don't go on that airplane you know like i mean i mean we giggle a little bit but come on you never know you never know you never know okay so we're going to get into this thing here russell targ here that's what you want to do first some people are say when you when you're going to do some remote viewing you know basically guys um we're going to just a little background there we're going to set up the, the phone call um we're going, to, we're going to phone a friend and do an experiment um you know what i hate though about russell like the conversation about russell target really annoys me what's that is that people say that he's a pseudoscientist right it seems it's like he's kind of a soft target <laughs> like what are you going to do sue the guy yeah. It's like you want to be the guy who sued the scientist. <laughs> well, okay, that was cool. Um, so yeah, this idea of um, remote viewing, like it's like you know, there's there was. I should pull up the Wikipedia page so I can actually know what I'm talking about a little bit because I'm, you know, I'm. This is so interesting. This is so interesting. And describe what surprising thing pops into mind. Usually the first impressions are golden. It's as though you've reached out and you've just dipped into the psychic signal. So they were doing these experiments where right. you basically, you train just like anything else. It's like an antenna or a muscle that you develop. Uh huh. They were, they were, they, it was a, they were taking military grade people. That was mm-hmm. part of the thing they had to do. And they were like, they would go, it wasn't like, what I mean by that is like, they had to be like that level of top secret. Cause it were, sounds like you're dealing with like plutonium, but you're talking about people. Yeah, exactly. Military grade. It's it, uh, whatever, people, their you know. pedigree, you know, they, they have to be like a ranking official guy. Right. I heard that they have to be somewhat creative. Like they have creative outlets like um, on top of that. Yes. And, um, there's other criteria that are really bizarre that I've heard, but um, some of these people is like they've they were got in there like basically they were, they were being trained to to be able to like leave. Speaking of Target, you know, um, leave their their consciousness, if you will, <laughs> and they would fly to a, a Target, and they would train by doing this in the beginning by just like working on that muscle, getting tap into that frequency, as they'll say, you know, um, is by they like put like an Write on an envelope. They would write a number on there, eight six twenty eight, and then they. A lot of people would put knowing they would know what was in the envelope, so they somehow would leave or something with it, and mm-hmm. they would just attach all of this energy onto it and leave it. Yeah. And then somehow he, the, the remote viewer, he or she could like l- go into that room. It could be in a Faraday cage even where it's like mm-hmm. they're like not in something where they're like their energy can like really leave or they can't get like cellular signals. It's like a de- it's like an electronic free zone. So they basically have to there's no f- whatever. 
Um, so yeah, they would like they would they basically the idea is it's like if you you don't try to go oh you have a, a you have the you have the Eiffel Tower, the idea is they go oh it's like you see a, a, a pointy shape almost like a pyramid, right? Or you see like a crisscross, right? You see like shapes, and then you start honing in and getting more and more. Yes. The, the ability where you can really that antenna effect, right? Yeah. Tuning, tuning in a that little frequency. bit, right? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and it kind of ties back to what we were talking about with Carl Jung and his ability to like tap into the collective conscious. That's right? true. That's I mean, true. you could apply the same kind of theory to that. I think you know. Doesn't make any sense. Some people say. I heard today this guy who's like he was one of the the top. He was one of the guys that got trained. He was the one I, I heard an interview on. On um, thinking aloud is a great YouTube page with this guy Jeffrey Mishlevy. He's a psycho- psychologist. He's amazing. With me is Dr. Paul Smith, a philosopher, former Army intelligence officer, a participant in the Army's remote viewing program for seven years. He is the author of The Essential Guide to Remote Viewing and also Reading the Enemy's Mind. In addition, he is the president and chief trainer of remote viewing instructional services. Anyway, he's like 80s and like, I like him, but he's like current too, I think. Anyway... He was this guy was like a um, he's one of the guys that actually learned to do this have this ability and he said that they would say it was more like automatic writing you know but you do automatic drawing you use your you would have a pen and paper and you just would just leave your eyes open because their studies have been done when you close your eyes that you start to use your other senses and your imagination more because I your eyes it. are closed so you right. leave your eyes open so you're like that's being eliminated you're not working with like your imagination you're cutting that off you're trying to just receive a message I and love you just that. draw that shape and that's kind of the experiment we could try you know thinking about that Mike I think we should call Tom Child dude because I've had some conversations with Tom over the years uh, just late night style about stuff like this kind of or you know it'll maybe a little different but like i know for a fact that tom would be down that's cool i would have thought out. he would be into no this he's stuff. totally into this stuff that's awesome let's, let's do call it. It. all right let's do it hey Josh, hey tom how's it going man pretty good how you doing hey sorry to bug you do you have a quick second like five maybe five ten minutes to help us out we're doing this podcast thing and I just yeah, want sure. I just want to talk to you about like we're talking about Russell Targ. I'm not sure if you if you know who Russell Targ is, but uh, me yeah, and Mike. Russell Targ, yeah, who's Russell Targ? Okay, he's a uh, he's this scientist who was involved in what's called remote viewing. Sure. So we would we were hoping that maybe we could get you to do a little experiment with us real quick. It's not going to take that long. Yes. Do you have access to sure. a piece of paper and like a, a writing utensil, like a, like a pen or a pencil? You know, I don't. I have what I have is on my phone. I could do a sketch on like the notepad or something. That would be great. We could do that, Mike. Right? Okay, that works. Yeah, yeah of absolutely course. works. Of course. Whatever so, you're comfortable on. Whatever you're comfortable with. But yeah, just open up a little sketch pad for us. Okay. And uh, okay. we're gonna give you some instructions here shortly. Okay, from Russell Targ himself. Okay. And I'm gonna add Mike on real quick to the call. So just give me one okay. second. Sure. Thanks for being so patient. Um, sure. No problem. We're back. Hey, so do you have a little uh, notepad open up to draw? Uh, give me one second. Let me, uh, let me make sure I can see this on the phone. I'm talking to you. Hang on. No problem, man. Take your time. This is going to be a fun little experiment. Okay, okay I can now uh, see here. Uh, 
Okay, so we're going to play you a little audio from Russell Targ himself, and he's going to give you a little direction. Uh, you should be able to hear it pretty okay. clearly. If not, we'll just reiterate what he's talking about, but he's going to give you some instruction. So just listen, listen up real quick. And what surprising thing? These are the first in the mind are golden. These are the first impressions are golden. Okay, so Tom, did you get that? It's basically close your eyes, right? And begin to draw. We we have an object before us here in the room. And we just want it like first imp first imp first impressions. We've identified it as a target. It's the target. Okay. So we're trying to get you to tune in on this object and maybe just give us a little sketch with your eyes closed. First impressions are golden. I hung up on me. Can you do that for us? No problem, man. I want to my phone shut off. I think this is good for the podcast. So I think something weird's going on, man. I have a 40% battery. I'm talking to you. My phone shuts off, turns on. Oh. got a 9% battery. So, you know what? You know what? We should we should kind of talk about that because, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to be, like, pushed aside and be like, okay, that's kind of strange. But at the same time, like, could it be, Mike, like you were saying before with the whole antenna and uh -huh. tuning into these sort of frequencies and, like, yeah. you know, let's talk about cellular technology while we're on it, right? right. Like, you know, here, here's Tom in New York. And he's talking to us about, you know, like doing this experiment. And all of a sudden, his cell phone is down to 9% from 40. Yeah. Okay. So is his motivation, is his will to um, to target where we are? Is he tapping in subconsciously? Have we, in other words, have we reached the singularity, right? Have we reached the singularity? H have we know. have we tuned into our Seems AI, like our cell phones? Have they become, have we become the cyborg? Maybe another topic for another show, but... To, con to piggyback off of what you're saying, basically, I feel like Tom is piggybacking on that cellular signal and the battery in his phone to send that signal, which is being bounced right. through all of those weird-looking trees with the cellular antennas right. in them all across the, from New yes, York. exactly. From New York. Yes. And there's no other explanation. Yep. So, all right. Whenever you're ready, man, give us that drawing, and we're, we're going to have you like send us a little copy of that drawing somehow, so okay, we can sure. check can it out I, and compare can I it. Can draw and then call you back? Uh, no, just take it. Take a second just to draw it real quick. Psychic. Just For psychic. Sure. We're, we're, we're doing psychic stuff live. We're actually doing a live oh, remote viewing. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, hang on a second. Let me do this. Okay, sounds good. Hang on. Guys, you are witnessing something special right now. By the way. All right, one second here. Take your take time. A take a moment. Like, take, a, take a few moments. Focus on the what target. The first thing that just psychically enters <laughs> your head. Okay, just a second. Give me one second. Just open the app. All right, all right, here we go, here we go. Okay, now I'm going to send it to you. Thank you very much, okay, Tom. We're going to do the same. We're going to send you the, the object. We're going to send target. you a photo of the object right now. You, can you stay on the line? Oh. Can we multitask? Okay. Yeah, so go ahead and do that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a message right now. Okay. All right, I sent it. Okay, thank you for doing that, and then let's see. 
So we'll see if we made a connection here at all. Alright. Did you get my drawing? Did it come through? Not yet. Oh, weird. But... We're having technical difficulties. Okay, we're gonna touch base again. It's always cool talking and checking in with Tom. It's sorry about the technical difficulties there, guys. You know, he's on the other side of the country. Our my phone's all you know. Our connection was a little weak, but we got some good. You know, we 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 made it happen. It was a good hot take. Um, here's the thing, and what Tom sent me, and I know you guys are thinking, oh, of course, there's gonna be some like you know similar. We will post it. No, no, let's. We, we're gonna post it on the Instagram. And you so can make talk sure to you Tom check about out it. The two photos, and you can you know hit up Tom in your own in own time, but. Right after our experiment, Tom texted me, you know, as we disconnected at the end, and his photo was kind of having trouble coming through. When it did pop up was the same moment that my photo also popped up on his phone. And I could see the little thought bubble come up, you know, on the iPhone. He's texting me, like, rapidly. And he says, dude, here's the thing. I didn't totally follow directions. And I was like, no, it's perfect. And so Tom sent me a series of rings, guys, stacked on each other. The object that we had as a target in the room is a little teepee-shaped incense burner. Okay, so it's a cone. It's a cone shape. It has a circular base, which, you know, when you think about a cone, it's a really a stack of circles. Rings on top of each other getting smaller and smaller towards the top. And what Tom sent me is a series of rings stacked on top of each other getting slightly smaller towards the top. Slightly. Either way... It's that's kind of rad in its own way, but this the story continues because Tom texts me right afterwards. He says, "Because at first I thought in big letters, caps lock, right, triangle." That's so I was insane. like, "What the heck, dude?" And he's like, "I swear to God," but then I thought, "Nah, too easy." I was being rebellious, and I said, "A triangle plus a circle equals a cone," and he's like, "I nailed it." So you take that for what you will, guys. But, you know, I think Targ was maybe onto something here. If you can travel through your, through with your mind somewhere, leave your body, why can't you travel through time? Why can't you leave this dimension where maybe time doesn't exist or exists differently? In my personal opinion, there's no beginning of time and there's no end to time, right? It, call it what you will, you know, that dimension will be around long after human, you know, humanity ceases to exist. But, you know, you, in the one sense you, you want to as a human to think like, well, I need a spaceship. I need some sort of device to travel through time. No, I don't think so. I think that your consciousness can astral travel um, and it has for many humans and I think we might have proved that a little bit in this episode so thanks for joining us everybody uh oh you're losing time again my friend Stuck in time again Uh-oh You're missing time again You're stuck in time again, my friend You're stuck in time again 
up.